Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. With me, as always, is Russ Mansell and Kip Adams. I'm Jordan Hill. A lot to talk about coming off of a Memorial Day. Everybody kind of had a chance to get a break before we kind of dive right back into it. A lot of news, a lot of things going on last week. Big week for the SEC as far as uh, the SEC spring meetings down in Destin. I got to start with my most important question. I got to throw it to Rusty. Uh, what Rusty? What were the thoughts on Top Gun Maverick? That's what everybody wants to hear about. Man, oof! I kind of it's like a visit high. You know, the official visits come in. You have to have a couple of days to let it settle. And uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was well done. Uh, I've read a lot of behind the scenes stuff on it, so I'm not giving away anything on here. But uh, so the, the decision by the producers not to release this on streaming, uh, evidently there was a lot of pressure last year at this time to release it you know, in theaters were available and then streaming were not available. But that decision to wait another year was probably the best one they made because I saw an IMAX and I'm telling you, it was, it was incredible from the time the very first scene gets you locked in and man, you're on your edge of your seat till the very, very end. But it was well done. Those sequels are hard to do, man. I know that's hard to do over the years and I'm at the age where everything's a sequel now. So uh, I'm waiting on weird science too, I guess. So, <laughs> but, uh, but but it was great. I thought it was great. The movie theater. I went at ten o'clock at night, man. Movie theater was slammed out. But uh, it it was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. We had a chance to see it yesterday, and I thought it lived up to the hype. And I think I won't have to fight the urge to go see it again. I've got a buddy that loved the original, and yeah. he was like, he was like, "Hey, I'm going tomorrow night." I was like, "You see, you see that right there? There's, there you there's, go. There's two there it is. Hey, two posters been hanging here for a long time. So that's one of them." Kip, how was your Memorial Day? Well, I saw the movie as well. I went to a Dolby uh, Cinema Theater. I think uh, IMAX has a big screen, but man, that sound and, and the way that they 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 include that in, into the the base, like Rusty said, uh, I knew within two minutes I made the right choice. Uh, I felt like I was you know right back in it. I um, didn't get to see the original in the theater, but I sh- I sure was, I definitely saw the original dozens of times watched it before i saw uh you know top gun maverick and and i was wondering you know like how does maverick get to go up in the sky again is he gonna get it to go up because uh i know i don't know if you uh, i don't know if we get clearance to to go up uh, in one of those uh when we get up to our age rusty but uh again won't spoil anything i, I liked i liked the way they did it. it it all made sense and uh yeah it, it had it all i mean i think uh as far as the perfect summer movie and the perfect timing for that movie to come out, obviously with Memorial day weekend, I think they timed everything just right. And uh, it, it was just a great experience to, to be back in the theater, to have everyone, you know, just cheering and, 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 and uh, applauding. Uh, it, it was an awesome experience and I uh, hopefully uh, everyone else will have a chance to go see it. So now that we've uh, 
had our sponsored ad out the way. Uh, well, let's talk some Georgia football. Absolutely, man. And there's a lot to talk about. And and I'll start uh, with Rusty with what's going to be a very, very important week for Georgia recruiting. you got official visits coming up this weekend. A lot of names, but obviously the biggest one, the one everybody wants to talk about is Arch Manning. Uh, he's going to be on hand in Athens, get a chance to look at the program and, and get a chance to spend some time around some of these other recruits. I'll start with you, Rusty, and then Kip, you can kind of just pick up from what Rusty has to say. Just how important is this weekend and, and maybe what should we sort of expect to hear out of uh, what comes out of this week? I mean, they've been here what five six times now uh i mean they're gonna they've they've done the dinners in town i mean this is just another chance to to spend kind of post spring with georgia staff and kind of see where they're at and you know he's gonna spend some time around some some other very high level targets uh we put a list out this morning on dogs 247 and uh there'll, there'll be a name or two we're gonna add later in the week once we confirm those guys but you know this is a um this is an important visit. You know, every visit with Arch Manning is important, but you have his mom and dad uh, back on campus, and uh, you know he'll be in town this weekend. So it's a big one. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, and here's the thing: I always say anybody that says they know what's going on with him is probably guessing. Um, I've been pretty confident in saying this is a Georgia-Texas battle, and still is, in my opinion, which way he is leaning. But don't have the answer for that right now. Uh, but but this is a this is a very important visit with his family. Uh, he goes to Texas later this month, and I don't know. You know, it, he, they're taking their time with their decision. The next question is, when's he going to decide? That's what everybody tell asks me, and I, I don't know. You know, this it seems to me they're really taking their time with this thing because they know the amount of eyes, the amount of people that are trying to get in that school, trying to see him, trying to interview him, all those types of things, trying to interview anybody around him to get any kind of uh, you know decision there. So. We'll see how it goes. I don't think this visit is going to suck at all. I mean, it's going to be, you know, Georgia does a great job with official visits. And I certainly think that this nothing they do this weekend will hurt them. Um, you know, again, they have sat down with this family many, many times over the last year, uh, in the last year and a half, actually. So uh, we'll see where this thing goes. But this is a big one. This is a big visit. But I can tell you right now, you go, if you're a subscriber on Dollars 247, and those names I put up this morning, there's some freaking dudes on that list. And to start this thing off this weekend, Kirby Smart, they're coming out with a bang. And they've got some major, major 2023 targets in town. But, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. It starts with Arch Manning. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, you start looking at the other guys he's going to have with him on campus. And, uh, you know, you always want to surround him with some guys that, you know, maybe he might want to play with at the next level. And, Georgia's got both of its tight end commits and in, in Pierce Sperlin and, and Lawson Lucky taking their official visits uh, this weekend as well. And then uh, Justice, Justice Haynes, the, the running back uh, out of Roswell, now uh, going to be at Buford for his senior season, but, you know, a top five running back in the country, maybe a top top three running back in the country when, when all is said and done. And that's a guy that Georgia's been in on a long time. Uh, I think uh, Rusty would agree that Georgia's positioned itself well in Justice's recruitment. And it's just, you know, that's that's the other aspect of this is the fact that we were always talking about you want to get that last visit. You want to get that visit in December if you can. You want to be as close to where they are in the decision process. Uh, if this doesn't show you that the, the decision process has changed, I don't know what will. They're, I mean, we're already looking at, what, 40 – 40 official visitors probably in the month of June, uh, at least a dozen this weekend with, with, with Arch Manning. 
uh, that shows you that just the timelines changed. And I think the transfer portal has a lot to do with that. Everyone kind of wants to know uh, how these rosters look. And then also, I mean, that's another thing. I mean, I'm sure Arch is going to want to know uh, who's going to be in here on this roster after the season is over. Uh, I think that's going to be something maybe he's trying to look and see, are my playmakers going to still be here? You know, is this offensive line, what's the offensive line going to look like next year, the next two years? That's probably some, some other questions he's going to want. Cause when Arch Manning gets on the roster, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of change in the quarterback room as well. So he, he's going to have a big effect on either Texas or Georgia's roster moving forward so i think that's going to just be big for georgia just to kind of show him and set him up for this is what this program is going to look like for the next three years and i think uh you just look at that group and also just jalen hill the the wide receiver out of texas you know brian mcclendon's been working on that one for for a long time that's a big time recruiting battle for him as well I just think you look at that group and it, it bodes pretty well for georgia i think there's some guys there they're going to probably give arch uh, a pretty some pretty positive feedback on what they think about the Georgia program. And, and that's really what you want. You want him to feel comfortable because that's what he's going to be looking for in this visit. I mean, he, he's seen all the presentations. He's seen the academics. You know, he's, he's been able to see everything really that they, they've been able to show him. Now it's just about fit. How do I fit into this program? How do I fit into the other players that, that I'll be suiting up with on Saturdays? And I think Georgia's done a good job just you know, getting the other guys in town, the other commits in town, they're going to to show him, uh, you know, just that that family atmosphere, that family feel. And that's that's kind of what he's been saying all along. I mean, Arch has said, you know, he spoke as highly as Athens as you can really speak of. So I, that's why George is in this. And and I think uh, it's kind of just up to them just to, to get that one last big shot, because I think regardless of his timeline, we, we all kind of agree it's probably going to you know, if it's something that happens before the season, this could be Georgia's last time to get him on campus. If it goes into the season, well, no, that's a that's a whole nother roller coaster ride that we'll, we'll have to be prepared for. And that, that means he wants to see these teams play during the season. It's a possibility, but uh, I think uh, Georgia and Texas would probably like to have this figured out before the season begins. All eyes are definitely going to be in on Athens this weekend, and it'll be interesting one way or the other when a decision is made, just the the domino effect, what that happens for recruits for whichever school Arch picks, uh, because it seems pretty likely you're going to see some guys line up, kind of uh, have Arch being the Pied Piper, bringing in some big names to wherever he decides to go to school. Uh, so we'll be watching. Obviously, we'll have all kinds of content off of this weekend, what we get to see, what we hear. Uh, from these visits because, you know, like Rusty and Kip both said, it's a huge weekend. It's going to be very, very important, and uh, it'll have a lot of bearing, you'd have to think, on this upcoming recruiting class for Georgia. Uh, So before we wind up taking a break, I want to talk a little bit about last week. Uh, Georgia had their uh, Athletic Association board meeting. A lot of really interesting stuff coming out of that meeting, and I think first and foremost, really the most important thing was kind of getting an update on Kirby Smart's extension. You know, we had heard and everybody assumed after the national title season that Kirby was going to get a a new contract, an extension on the deal he has right now that runs through 2024. Uh, UGA president Jerry Moorhead offered an update to the board. I was honestly kind of surprised to see Jerry bring it up in front of the board because nothing was done. But he said there's been a lot of positive talks. Spoke really highly of what's been going on between 
uh, you know, Moorhead and athletic director Josh Brooks, and and then obviously Kirby's agent Jimmy Sexton. Uh, you know, all signs indicated from what Moorhead said that a new deal is coming. Uh, Moorhead made it sound like it's probably just a few weeks away. Uh, Kip, just how important do you think it is uh, to have this figured out? Obviously, everybody expects Kirby to be the face of this program going forward. Uh, but we knew going into this offseason that a new contract was going to be uh, in the in talks, in the mix. And uh, based on everything we heard, it sounds like things are moving in a positive direction toward getting this thing done. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Kirby is looking at, I mean, already doing pretty well for himself. But I think he's he's got a big payday ahead of him. And I think that, I mean, that's been known since, uh, you know, January 10th, if not before that, that, that he was going to be able to write his own check. And I think it's just all about, you know, that, that little dialogue in the contracts. I think right now, uh, you know, with Jimmy Sexton involved, he's going to make sure his client gets, you know, everything he's asking for, where that lies as far as salary. I mean, you know, it's anyone's guess. I would say that it's, it's probably, you know, probably going to add a digit to, to his annual salary to what he's making now. I mean, he's, uh, Make, he was making about seven million before. I think uh, you know, you look at that ten million number, and and then it's all about years. You know, how many years? That'll be something that's interesting. How long is this contract? You know, we we've talked about how the landscape has changed. How we just saw the offensive line coach at Georgia, Matt Luke, decide. You know what? This is uh, this is just. There's a lot going on uh, with being a college football coach now, a lot more than there was before. And even Kirby's talked about that, about, you know, how it's it's getting to be a full time job every single day of the year. There's not really any downtime. So how long is this contract going to be? And I mean, that could also just say a lot for the college football landscape as well. I mean, everyone's kind of thinking. Kirby can stay in Athens as, you know, as long as he wants to. So how long will that be? Will, you know, will he be uh, in Athens another, another 10 years? Uh, I think that's probably a a good barometer to kind of set right there. And that's kind of just where I'm wanting to see in this contract is how long is the contract? Because I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of uh, change going on in college football. And then there's probably a lot of change that still needs to happen uh, between the NIL transfer portal uh it's i mean i think the fact that it's it's kind of evolving on its own uh without any foresight into uh, what needs to kind of be locked down or, or what rules need to be in place that's probably something that that's on kirby smart's mind a lot as well as he tries to put the georgia program in the best position possible so i just think there, there's a lot of things in the background working on but i think right now He's looking for he's going to get that next contract. I, I mean, I would be surprised if it happens, you know, in, in the next month or so. Probably be a good time to happen if you have recruits on campus as well. That'd be something that'd be uh, good for the program to announce when they have some visitors. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. But I, I don't think there's going to be any surprise when the when the actual numbers come out, because I think Kirby Smart's definitely earned it. Rusty, any thoughts on uh, the contract talk as far as Kirby goes? He's going to get paid. <laughs> I don't, I don't, Very succinct. Yes. That man, they, they will never worry about a power bill ever again. If he hasn't now, um, he's going to get paid. And, you know, it's pretty much going to come down to, you know, some, some of the details, you know, how far Georgia goes with it and how far Jimmy Sexton pushes it. But you strike when you win a national championship for the first time since 1980, came here to win a national championship, he did it. 
you know, Georgia grad, all the ticks, all those boxes. Uh, I recently saw where Sam Pittman went with Jimmy Sexton as well. So Jimmy Sexton is about to get two clients paid and uh, I'm sure those deals will be done probably uh, sooner than later. Yeah, President Moorhead had mentioned during that board meeting that they really would have revisited his contract after 2022, no matter what. Well, Kirby uh, probably picked good timing to, to have the contract come back up, coming off the national title. Uh, yep. So we're going we're gonna to take a quick break real quick. We're going to come back, talk a little bit more about some of the things that came out of that board meeting last week, and then also talk about what's going on in Destin this week and how it affects the Bulldogs. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, going back to that board meeting last week, another really big piece of news that came out of it was the board approving a $68.5 million renovation project on Sanford Stadium. The focus is on the south side of the stadium. It's something that talked about during the board meeting. I mean, this stadium was built in 1929. There, There's a lot of parts of the stadium that need uh, revamping. Uh, very interesting to see the layout, and I would recommend anyone who who missed it to go on. I, I tried to write real, a really in-depth story about what's changing, uh, some of the things that are being moved around, uh, more bathrooms, better access to uh, through uh, some of the uh, stairs, and, and just trying to make it more accessible to fans. I mean, making it easier to sort of navigate the stadium. A lot more ADA seating, a lot better uh, situations as far as that goes. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is sort of a, a, the state of uh, what we've seen in the facility arms race over and over again in the SEC. I mean, kind of on top of the $68.5 million project, they also talked about what they called the five-year vision. It's going to be a five-year vision where they're hoping to raise $300 million, and a lot of that's going to be put toward facilities, and you know, they talked about the people and the places, and, and really trying to take care of making sure that people who come to Georgia, whether it's the players or the coaches, have the state-of-the-art things, the facilities they need uh, to work on a daily basis to go out and compete for championships. So it was very interesting just to see all the different pieces of the puzzle, the way uh, things are laid out, the vision that Josh Brooks has. You know, looking at the stadium renovations, looking at the work that's already been done, I'll throw it to you, Rusty. Just, you know, how important do you think, even more on like the recruiting side, uh, are these upgrades, are the things we've seen specifically around the football program, uh, the, the, the dedication and the commitment um, that the athletic departments had to make sure that uh, the football team uh, has the best uh, there is as far as the facilities they got to work with? 
I think the last renovation they did was the most important to, for recruits. When Kirby Smart put the recruiting lounge in the end zone and built the uh, the, the meeting space where he could meet with players, they have the, the, their own section now in the end zone. And I don't think people realized uh, what recruits used to have to do at Georgia. Now, this was Mark Rick era. I mean, this was not that long ago. They would have those players on the field in small bleachers, and they would have to leave the that area with five minutes to go in the half to get them walk all the way up the first level of steps into a snack room where they could have the cookies and drinks and then then they would have to walk down the same path that fans were so play you know the logistics of that was really bad now they walk out of their seat and they walk up the stairs in that room and it's air conditioned and you can see the field and there's tvs everywhere and there's tables everywhere. Uh, it's at the stadium. You don't have to sit and wait on a fan to walk up and down. I mean, it is your complete area. Kirby Smart has his own office in that recruiting lounge. He can do one-on-one -on -one meetings there. What they did there recruiting-wise was invaluable. Now, what they're doing now, I appreciate because it it's the fan experience. And they're going to widen some of those areas where it gets really tight. Um, you know, I know the... I know the press, and I'm certainly in the press, not real happy about losing that 50-yard line view. But, I mean, you have to be in reality. And, you know, no stadium that's built now gives the press anywhere in the world that view. Uh, and I understand the, the, you know, the scope of it. Those those suites at the 50-yard line are going to be the best views in Sanford Stadium. They're going to go for millions and millions of dollars. So uh, I, I certainly think George is going to take care of the media that covers, and they always have. But be a little different angle than it was before. But that's just the way of the world. Mercedes-Benz, I mean, you look at all these new stadiums that are built, L.A., same thing. I always check, always check that view and you go look at the Raiders. I mean, they're in the corner, too. So it is the way of the world, but I think the most important about this one, Jordan, you bring it up, this is going to help the fan experience. But as far as recruiting experience, what Kirby Smart did, tearing that end zone out and making that recruiting lounge, was that goes along with, you know, what he sees and what he knows and logistics. He did not want his players having to leave uh, prospects to leave a, a game five minutes into a half and then get down five minutes after the game starts just to have a snack at halftime at Georgia. I'll throw it to Kip here in a second, but I wanted to point out, you know, talk about the, the press box moving. I will say, look, I covered Auburn before this. This is still a heck of a lot better than the setup at Auburn because you are in the end zone. And if you don't got binoculars, buddy, you're in trouble. Uh, but uh, to the point too, Rusty, I mean, this is all about the fans. Think about, you know, what it takes to get to a game today and, and the options you have to just watch games at home. And Hey, if Georgia's playing Kent state and it's a blowout in the third quarter, you know, I could just flip the channel and watch a better game. I think it makes a lot of sense for Josh Brooks and everybody involved in uh, the planning and, and the understanding that you got to make the fan experience as good as it possibly can be. And I think that this is a big step towards that. And uh, I'll be interested just to see as this project is worked on, how it all comes together. Uh, Kip, any thoughts on some of these renovations and even just on the, you know, sort of the grand scheme of things, uh, just increased uh, commitment to facilities and, and what Georgia has been able to do? Yeah, I mean, Georgia has been, you know, the revenue that's come in, they've always been one of the, in the, in the top two or three, really, as far as just, where they come out as far as that that net revenue. I mean, they've been able to the kind of stockpile uh, you know, some money. And even though uh, you know, obviously donors are gonna be a big part of this, 
it, it's it's really good timing for them now. I mean, coming off a national championship to say we we are now giving back to you, the fans. And as you guys say, I mean, you the the way the four K four K TVs are looking these days. I mean, like the the experience at home, you got a really good view. Uh, you got good prices on concessions at home, and and you have easy access to the restroom at home. And so I think that's probably a, a big part of what they need to do. Because let's be honest, you know, Sanford Stadium, it's what ninety three years old now. So I mean, you can you can add and add, but the infrastructure, uh, it's it's a, it takes a little bit more to add on to something like that. And, and I think that's why this is kind of really important uh, on the south side of the stadium. It's just you want to improve that experience because the concessions, the restrooms, I mean, they, they get bottlenecked during the game. You don't want to, you don't want to leave in, at halftime and then, you know, miss half of the third quarter trying to get food or go to the bathroom. So I just think that, you know, that's really important for them. Obviously, as Rusty said, uh, the press box uh, being replaced with suites. I mean, that's going to, just going to bring some of that revenue right back in. And I, I think that that's just something that's prudent. They see all the other stadiums doing it. It, it makes a lot of sense for them to, to make that change as well. So yeah, these are all just common sense changes. This isn't really like a part of the facilities race. Uh, I mean, the, just looking at the weight room and the things they've been able to add there, I think Georgia's doing pretty well in that area. This is just something that was needed and you want to get out in front of this because you just don't want that fan experience. You don't want to start having issues, even with a successful program, uh, putting people in the stands and, and having people be happy with the stands because that's really where that support comes from and that's what's been able to to keep this program going and thriving and prepare this program for the success that it's having now again a big week kind of got kicked off uh, today with sec spring meetings going on in destin a lot to talk about we already know sort of the the headliners or the things people are really wanting to watch is sort of the jimbo fisher nick saban saga Kind of a new chapter with uh, NIL, even outside of those two coaches, will obviously be a big part of the conversation. I do want to throw this out here, guys. What was reported uh, earlier today, something that's going to be something to watch, is the transfer portal. Uh, 247 Sports, Brandon Marcello tweeted out that the SEC will discuss whether to remove the February 1st notification deadline for intra-conference transfers and move it to May 1st. Obviously, if they do make this change, this is going to be a very significant change for the SEC. Uh, obviously, if a recruit or if a, if a player uh, from one school decided they wanted to try to transfer to another SEC school, they had to uh, let their school know by February 1st. If this change is made, that means that they just give the same deadline that the NCAA has. Uh, obviously, I think this could be a big change. I mean, this obviously would give the players more power you know, we wondered about some of those players after spring who entered the portal for Georgia, where they might end up. We knew, obviously, wherever they were going, if they decided they were going to the SEC, they would have to get a waiver to play in 2022. Uh, I'll start with you, Kip, and then, Rusty, you can ch chime in with anything you think. Uh, what do you think if this change is made, if the SEC gets rid of what had been a, a rule within the conference, not the other conferences, uh, the other conferences don't have a rule like this, if they got rid of that sort of deadline on February 1st and decided to kind of open things up and allow what would essentially be players to go through spring with their current SEC schools and then potentially go play somewhere else in the fall. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, now uh, it changes the whole dynamic of spring football. Uh, now, I mean, you're uh, for the coaching staff. I mean, you, now you have to be a little careful uh, as far as just, 
trying to maintain your roster and they're in. I mean, uh, this is definitely something that that helps the players and gives them the ability to go through and see where they stand uh, on the depth chart. And, and, you know, if they want to stay in the SEC, they're going to have that opportunity. But at the same time for coaches, now, you know, you're looking at your your backup quarterback, your, you know, your your backup uh, safety, uh, that second string left tackle, as we just saw into the uh, transfer portal and come back, a guy like Amaris Mims. I mean, that's kind of a – is this going to change how the coaches uh, get do the reps? You know, are they going to want to be completely transparent on where players are in the depth chart? Uh, it's just – you know, at the end of the day, uh, for the head coach, yes, he wants to take care of his players, but his his contract's going to be about wins and losses. And right now, uh, having that maximizing the roster is still the number one part uh, of being a college head coach. I think Kirby Smart would agree with you there. Uh, just that is roster maximization is is why Kirby Smart's put Georgia where they are. And I think college coaches, it's just going to be more of a challenge. You're going to know which guys maybe have an eye toward the portal or which which guys aren't entrenched as starters. And they might go into spring thinking about it. If I don't, if I don't end up getting the reps I think I should get, if I don't show out in the spring scrimmage, uh, I'm out. And so spring games might look a little different. You might not see the guy that we know is a starter getting as many reps. It's going to look like NFL preseason where, you know, you might have your starting quarterback take, uh, you know, one series and then he's not even playing the rest of the game. And then your backup quarterback throws for 320 yards, two touchdowns, and thinks he's he's pushing for the job. And that's just – that's going to be the way it is. So as far as drama, as far as entertainment, I think it's going to crank it up a notch as far as the – you know, adding a little bit to the to what coaches are going through, I, I think it's 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 going to add another wrinkle in the in the what they're having to, to to handle during spring football while they're also trying to get recruits on campus and and, and trying to to get that roster set for this season. Rusty, any thoughts on this potential change? That would be it would be the wild wild west. I mean, if that happens, the only the only you know Jermaine Burton had to declare. Before, I mean, you're talking about this is before national signing day, too. So, most of the time, so they kind of know we're losing this guy, losing that guy. But you go post spring, someone like Georgia, Alabama loses, you know, because they got deep rosters, you know, lose guys that are, you know, projected number twos. And, you know, where would Georgia be? Stetson Bennett left last year, right? Because it was an afterthought spring practice, you know. So, there's there's so many questions there. I'm kind of on the record of saying, and if the NIL doesn't change and it keeps progressing, uh, progressing the way it is with the payment of players and these high-level deals, I don't think we'll have spring practice in five years. I think it'll be like NFL OTAs. Uh, you have a weekend or two. You can do those types of things. These kids are making a ton of money. Now I'm going out and risk this thing. Uh, then you start talking about stuff like that. It really presses you. So if you have OTAs, everybody gets nice little reps. Everybody has a good off season, and everybody you know is going to fight it out in August at that point. So we'll see how this plays out, but. If it changes to May 1st, I've talked to some people. Uh, the coaches seem to be really split on this. Obviously, there's some coaches that want this really bad because they know some schools are deeper than others, and there's some schools that don't want it. They want to keep February 1st, so you kind of know where you are uh, as you head into spring practice. So that will be something definitely to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, before we move on, I'll just throw out the the school that proposed this change was Alabama. So no, that, that's No, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah. So very interesting, and we'll see, obviously, what comes out of the conversations around that. A uh, lot to watch for this week in Destin. 
We'll pay attention to what is said about NIL, specifically if Greg Sankey comes out and says anything. Part of what was really interesting last week with the board meetings was hearing Jerry Moorhead's thoughts. Obviously, he serves on the NCAA Council. You know, he, is, he has a lot of strong feelings about how NIL has gone and maybe the direction it's going. I think really what could be the thing we see that has the most immediate effect or, or biggest impact immediately out of these meetings is going to be future scheduling. You know, there's a lot of talk about what the SEC is going to do once Texas and Oklahoma join. You know, right now it's projected they'll join in 2025. You know, a lot of people th- think that might happen sooner than that. We'll see, obviously. Uh, but there, the, the uh, thought among people following the conference who cover the conference believe that as a result, the, the way they schedule conference games is going to change, that they're going to find a way to switch things up. And I want to see what you guys thought, if you had any preferences. I'll throw out really the plan that I see that I really like is having three permanent opponents and then either five or six just conference games that rotate every year. Um, obviously, right now they play eight conference games. Uh, you know, the, the big concern so many people have is losing some of these storied rivalries. You know, you look at some of these games that get played year after year. And when you have new teams enter the conference and potentially changing things, you know, maybe getting rid of divisions, which has been kind of opened up by the NCAA saying that could happen, you know, you're going to lose some of these rivalries. You're going to lose games that a lot of us have gotten to watch and expect to watch year after year. Uh, but it, again, with the proposed three permanent opponents and then, you know, rotating the five or six uh, others year after year, you can say probably the majority of those. I mean, I would think for Georgia, that would be like Florida, Auburn, South Carolina, um, rivalries that mean a lot in the conference. I mean, you think of like uh, the history of the Deep South's oldest rivalry and obviously Georgia, Florida, and, and what's been a pretty interesting and sometimes underrated series with South Carolina. Uh, I think that that might be the best way to go, but I think we'll hear a lot of theories, a lot of opinions this week uh, about the scheduling and what's the best way to go about it. Uh, throw it to you, Kip. Are, are there any scheduling ideas that you really like or things you just want to see saved as they go through these conversations? No, I mean, I think the 3-6 the model makes the most sense. Uh, and, I mean, I'm sure some schools are probably not going to like this just because of just how, how it goes. Like, how it ends up for every school isn't going to be equal. And you mentioned South Carolina. I mean, I mean, does that mean, uh, you know, Georgia, Tennessee isn't a, you know, an annual game anymore that Georgia is was one of those programs where it seems like every every school is a rivalry. And that's just uh, the shows that kind of the, they've had a long period of, of you know, being successful. And so uh, that's a pretty marketable rivalry. And I think, you know, that's what the conference is going to have to take a look at, you know, which which rivalries are, are the ones you know, that, that'll put us in the best position, uh, you know, putting Florida Auburn back as a rivalry, Texas A&M, Texas is obviously going to be a big focal point as well. So I don't think there's any reason for, for people not to see this as a good thing. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the SEC is still going to be uh, lopsided as far as which teams are, you know, strong at the top. There's always going to be a big, you know, top to bottom. It's going to be tough for them to, always be competitive you know so i think right now it's as balanced as it's been in a while and i think it's it's a great time to go to this model uh another conference game is going to add revenue for all the schools you know so 
I, I think that 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 ninth game is is really what allows schools to keep most of the rivalry games intact, and so it just it just makes a lot of sense. I think eight eight conference games is has been outdated for a long time. So I think that it's the sooner this comes, the better. Um, and but usually the only thing that brings about change is the possibility of more money. So I, I think that's where that extra revenue in the conference game, they look at that, they say, yeah, let's do this. This makes sense now, even though it always made sense. Rusty, any thoughts as far as future scheduling? To me, I mean, obviously we want to keep some of the rivalry games, but they're, they're adding two really, really superpowers, in my opinion. So the matchups around that, you know, I want to play Texas and I want to cover the Georgia Texas A&M game. You know, I want to see Georgia go to Arkansas a little more, Georgia go to LSU, LSU come to Athens. So there's so many good teams in this league. You know, things come to an end. I would have a hard time in any shape, fashion, or form seeing Georgia-Florida uh, end. I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, I, I think some new some new rivalries, some new games, stuff like that, it's not going to really um, hurt folks at the end of the day. It's SEC every week, so many good teams, and we're going to have a great schedule regardless how it ends up. No doubt. There will be good games no matter who's playing on Saturdays. Well, hey, let's get this thing wrapped up. Uh, we pretty much timed this thing perfectly because Kirby Smart's up at the podium right now talking in Destin. So you guys be watching. We'll have all kinds of content out of what Kirby has to say uh, today and the rest of the week. We'll have plenty of stories coming out of that. Uh, but we're going to wrap it up right there. Appreciate everybody watching for listening. Make sure and subscribe and rate and, and let us know what you think. We're going to keep the uh, content coming out, more podcasts coming along the way. And again, pay attention this weekend because it's going to be a big one on the recruiting front for Georgia. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up right there for Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams. I'm Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.